Hello, fellow theater people. Thanks for coming back for episode three. Just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to automatically receive our latest episodes. Upcoming guests include Laura Osnes, Michael Yuri, Andrew Keenan-Bolger, Anika Larson, and more. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and check out our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. And now today's show. Emily Ashford has a reputation for delivering unique performances by brilliantly making the unexpected choice. From sorority girl Margot in Legally Blonde to Galinda in Wicked to her most recent role as Lauren in Kinky Boots, a role that won her a Tony nomination, she's earned this reputation by imbuing her characters with a uniqueness and a quirkiness that makes them not only stand out, but also usually the most memorable part of the show. Director Jerry Mitchell compared her to a young Goldie Hawn for her comedic timing, instincts, heart, and raw natural talent. She is truly hilarious. There's no other word for it. She's a born improviser who's up for anything, which you're about to hear. Annalie Ashford, saying your name gives me tingles. I can't even believe you're here with us on the Theater People podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Since day one of talking about this podcast, you were like, I was like, we gotta get Annalie Ashford. We have to get Annalie Ashford. So I feel like we've made it. Oh my God, would you shush I'm honored to be here. Thank you, And you look fabulous. Thank you. I'm giving you a sensible um, plaid flannel shirt today. (laughs) It's not as cold outside as it's supposed to be right now. I know. I know. When we did our first episode, it was negative four. That day was so cold that on my way home from the theater... My eyes were like burning, like I felt like somebody was throwing fireballs in them. And then I got home and looked in the mirror, and I had like weird black makeup all over my face. It was so cold, and my eyes were like just running, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah. I love, well, I was going to say I love it, but I, I just love that you told us that story. I don't love what happened to you that day. I know. It, yeah, was, like, it was a sad day, but it was, like, <laughs> it was like a really interesting makeup experience. Yeah. Well, it's good to try something new. Right? Yeah. It was very, like, avant-garde. I love it. Well, we're going to talk about your avant-garde days. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> but before that, I want to know if it's true. I read that you did high school in three years and college in three years. Is that I right? I did. I did. People sometimes don't believe that I actually graduated from both, but <laughs> I did. The thing about you is, and I don't know a thing about fashion, but you are always the best dressed. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. How do you, do you still only wear vintage? Like, I mean, why, why do you care about it? And, and tell us about it. You know, that that has always been like um, a fascination for me, like my whole life. And I also find that it's a major part of my, my craft as an actor is like, I'm a very outside in actor. I like the way that things make me feel on the outside and they kind of can indicate the way that I feel on the inside. So I think that's part of it. And I've always loved things of another era since I was a little tiny girl. Um, So I think that's always contributed to my fashion sense. And then, you know, in college, I was like full out vintage and I was obsessed with the early 70s. So I would do, you know, the early 70s copied like the 40s. So I would go buy vintage anything I could find from the 40s. But, you know, I'd be like dancing and my shoes would be falling apart. And I also was... um, Back in the day, I was a, a go-go dancer for Lady Starlight English Disco. So, I mean, that was a crazy time. But my hair was, like, platinum white, and I would dye my eyebrows. I had such, like, an extravagant look. It was very dramatic. People, um, check out our website. We're going to link to some pictures that we found. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If oh, that's no. okay with you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, what else? <laughs> my my uh, go-go dancing name was Hollywood Star with two R's. S-T-I-R. Hang on. So, you, so come to, you come to New York for, you go to Marymount, Manhattan. Yes. And you just immediately are like... 
I'm going to do this in three years, but I'm also going to go go dance and be out until five in the morning. It was really like an opportunity to perform, and we we treated it like performance art. It really it was performance art. And then at like three or four in the morning, my our friend Anna Copacabana who still does shows now amazing. all over town. She's yeah, incredible. Look up in a couple of bands. She's amazing. She'll be like, it, she's Australian. I do a terrible Australian accent. It's really, I just do a British accent. But she'll be like, <laughs> you guys, it's pizza o'clock. And that would mean it was time to take a break and go get pizza. So uh, how do you even, okay, so did you have to audition for Lady Starlight to get that job? And maybe explain who Lady Starlight is, because she's still around. She is one of the best DJs in New York City. Um, and most people know her from her work with Lady Gaga. When Gaga was first starting out, I remember seeing Gaga perform when I was doing Legally Blonde, and she'd been working with Lady Starlight, our friend Colleen, for a long time. And uh Basically, when she first started working with her, Colleen was an incredible DJ around town. She was, at that time, doing a lot of uh, 70s glam. Um, So she would throw these parties called the English Disco Party. And then she was starting to get into metal. Um, And she, (laughs) when we were doing the English Disco, she looked just like David Bowie, like Aladdin Zane era. Like I know, there, she again, there's another amazing. picture of this. We'll, We'll put it up on the website. You're standing next to Lady Gaga. Oh, I mean, she looked... She looked outrageous. So anyways, she would DJ, um, and Lady Gaga would play the piano. And that's how she was kind that's how she started out. And she, you know, she was a brilliant songwriter, and she was so fearless. And I remember seeing her for, perform the first time, and um, she was an opener for the Semi-Precious Weapons, who yeah, now opened open for, for her. for her, of course. And so does Lady Starlight. Yeah, how about that? So uh, I remember going to a concert of theirs and being like, wow. That girl is living her life. She is full out. She yeah. is full out. And then she became Lady Gaga, the <laughs> international pop star. Well, I'm so curious because you're so, like, fabulous. And I and but I mean, like, fabulous in every sense of the word. Like, But especially, like, you're so big personality and you're so funny and you're so fashionable. And I wonder, like, what... Was there ever a chance that your career trajectory would have been more the pop star thing than the Broadway thing? You know, I've always, you know, it's funny because when I talk about it, I talk about the the go-go dancing, it always came from a place of performance art. Mm -hmm. So it always came from a place of storytelling. So even in like, in my singing, I've always been more interested in the storytelling aspect of it. Um, So I sometimes feel... Like, if I were to be a pop star, I would be a pop star and not this era. <laughs> I would have been, like, a pop star in 19, like 1969 or the right. mid-70s or something, you know. Um, so let's talk about Kiki Boots. Mm. Congratulations, Miss Tony nominee. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. So crazy. Part of what I think is so, well... First of all, I mean, of course, my best friend Ellen Marsh is in the show. And she's in the ensemble. She understudies you. Um, So I've seen it several times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I can't stop crying. Like, I'll probably (laughs) cry talking about it now. Um, But I wanted to say about you specifically, which I think is any Annalie Ashford fan knows, is that, you know, there were other projects that you were associated with that, for whatever reason, made their way to Broadway without you. Oh, yeah. And Quite a few. You read or you hear interviews with you talking about it, and you sound so, like, zen like so fine with it and it's believable because it's you (laughs) but I wonder like if you feel like now that you were with something from start to finish and you have been getting great notices you got nominated for the Tony like do you feel like everything was meant to be you know I remember on opening night we um we were finishing the the finale you know we were finishing the show and I had this moment where I remembered back 
to like our very first reading that we did together. And there, there was six of us on stage who did that very first reading. And it actually wasn't the very, very first reading that they ever did out of it, but it was the first, um, you know, real reading where we had two weeks of rehearsal. We really discovered that, you know, what was on the page and learned all the music. And, um, you know, I've worked on so many projects like that. So, and I never think of, you know, when a project moves on and you don't move on with it, you have to make such peace because I just think it's bad energy not to. Yeah. And it's also the way the world works. Yeah. And also as an actor, it's just always going to be like that forever. Yeah. Um, and everything happens for a reason. But I, I, on that, on opening night, I just heard crying and just saying thank you to God for this amazing, incredible opportunity. Like, I can't believe that I was with it as long as I was. I can't, I mean, the day that, the night that we won the Tony, the company was backstage watching Cindy Lauper sing, I mean, an incredible, iconic song. And the fact that we all know her and we call her Sin is like, mind-boggling and then the fact that she was singing those beautiful lyrics that beautiful song and then we were standing backstage at the tonys we were all so grateful to be there and you know we didn't know if we had won yet and it didn't matter all of us in that all of us walked around hugging each other while she was singing going it doesn't matter if we win because we won like we're in a great show that's running that's telling a beautiful story and it's not about all of that all of that is just like incredible icing on the cake and it helps the show keep running and it helps keep people employed longer mm-hmm. i wanted to talk about the message of the show because and this is the part where i might start to cry because as many times as i hear it i think about like the the line at the end of the show where don says um you change the world when you change your mind and i'm thinking about this show which is this it's a it's a commercial show, but it's also a risky show, and it's this beautiful show, and you see these people that are so invested in it in terms of their creativity, like you and Billy Porter and Stark Sands and Harvey Firestein, Jerry Mitchell and Cindy Lauper, all these legends that have put their uh, creative energy into this, and to be you know to be gay and to be a person who is um, I don't know who has had moments of like. N- Feeling like you didn't belong sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And this message, this incredibly popular show is putting out this message. And behind it, behind the show and behind the message are all these amazing people. And it just feels so good. You, you, I mean, so, so maybe talk, talk about that a little. Well, you know, I always, I've always said that there's a palpable heartbeat in the show. And you can feel it at the back of the house. And that's, I mean, that's, I think, what... That's what you walk out of the door no matter how you feel when you walk in. And I, it's, very, it's, it's a very special thing to have happen in the theater. Not only do we make you think, but we make you laugh. And then yes. your heart feels something, which it is kind of, I think, the ultimate goal of the musical comedy. You know, And I think we accomplished it because the intention from the beginning was to make something with a beautiful heart and a beautiful story. It, the intention wasn't to win Tonys and to make lots of money. The intention always was very pure at heart, and I think that's why the heartbeat kind of carried through. You know, it's interesting because the tour is starting to to shape up, and I'm, I'm sure they're, like, figuring out, you know, what cities they're going to do. And when we did the parade, there was such an interesting backlash of on course. that, which shocked us. We, we weren't even thinking about that. I didn't Explain even know about it. Um, you know, there was, like, a Twitter like panic and I'm so bad at Twitter but so of course I didn't know until like the next and day people were upset because Billy Porter was out there in drag and that dra- other drag queens were performing and, and and so people were upset because they feel like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is a family show Which, and that for some reason that that's not 
for families. And there was there's a couple of things that are really interesting about this. The first thing is there have been drag queens on you know, the Macy's Day Parade before, but but something very specific to our drag queens is that they're very beautiful-looking drag queens. Yeah. And I think that that's confusing to maybe some people who are not aware to this area of culture. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the other thing is that it it makes people question what's happening, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it opens up discussion. So there were were many things that were interesting about it. And the other thing that I think is important is we're... You know, we live in New York City. We're so used to saying, if you can change your mind, you can change the world. And people screaming in the audience. I can't wait for people in Atlanta, Peoria, um, you know, not just the big cities like Boston and San Francisco and L.A., but all all of the smaller cities where you have some kid out there is going to come see our show and they're going to hear, I'm not my father's son. I'm not my father's son. I'm not the image of what he dreamed of. With the strength of and they're going to walk away from the theater with love the in their heart for their father instead of anger. I hope if that's a possibility, then we're doing our job as artists. For sure. You know, and so I, I think that it's it's incredible that we have the opportunity for the show to continue to grow and move out and you know, feed the world. And that's, I mean, one of the reasons why we wanted to do the podcast, you know, because somebody out there is going to hear you talk about this and it's going to, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's great when people can be reached. Amen. I mean, if somebody is feeling unloved and because they're afraid of who they are, just knowing that it, it doesn't matter and that they are loved no matter what is, is the most important. And I think that is kind of the core of, of the message of the show is to just accept yourself for who you are, you know, and accept other people for who they are. Accept yourself and you'll accept all us too. <laughs> That's the thing. I love it. Um, so you get nominated for a Tony. Oh my gosh, that was crazy pants. Were you one of those that like, oh, I didn't know the Tonys were being even announced that day, or were you waiting by the television the way I would be? Well, here's what happened. I said, I don't want to know when any of that happens. Just like tell me when it's over, whatever, because I just don't want to expect that. I don't want to think things like that or whatever. But then, of course, everybody around you like weirdly tells you, and you kind of weirdly (laughs) know. So my husband was like, (laughs) my husband was really sweet and knew how I felt, so he just like let me stay in bed, but he got up. Up, so he went, knew. He got up, went and got coffee, got coffee for me, but like pretended like he didn't get coffee for me, and walked the dog and was like, he was a buzz around our apartment. And then I was in our bedroom with like the blankets over my head, just pretending like it wasn't happening. And then <laughs> he would like, I mean, we got nominated for 13 Tony Awards. And the day before the Drama Desk nominations had come out, and it, you know, wasn't as favorable towards us mm-hmm. as a whole. And so, you know, we just didn't really know how it was going to be. You never know. Yeah. And he was yelling them out to me as they happened. <laughs> and he came in when Billy and Stark's category came in. He went, he came in with big tears in his eyes, and he was like, "Billy and Stark both got nominated." <laughs> and then he ran back in and closed the door. And then he came in and told me, and I was like the last category. And so we both cried a little bit and held each other in a sweet way. Uh. You know, it's like one of those things that, as an actor, I am so. Hey, I'm so lucky to do all these readings that I've done and not have continued on with them. Number yeah. one, I'm lucky that I am have a job every day singing and dancing. It's amazing. It's a gift. And then this is just like, it's like winning the lotto. It's winning the lotto being on Broadway. 
And then it's it's like winning the Powerball. Is it the Powerball? The Powerball. <laughs> whatever. 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 Getting nominated. So, yeah. you know, it's amazing. Speaking of your husband, you're a Broadway newlywed. Oh, yes, I am. Congratulations. Planning a wedding is crazy. And yes. I thought it was a really good, good idea to do it like two months after the Tonys. <laughs> well, how, I mean, how is it? Are you loving, do you love being married? How oh, my gosh. We've been together for like six years. We, you know, we're like an old married couple. We're great. But it was wonderful. It's amazing. It's incredible. Getting married is like, you know, it's like doing a show. Uh, it is a performance, which no, is a little bit, a little bit like For a sure. show. Yeah. Uh, but it was a beautiful day. It rained, which was also kind of beautiful and lovely. And you it was know, indoor. From, I hope. Well, it was outdoor, so it rained halfway through the ceremony. But it was kind of a. It Perfect. was like tea, It was like tears from heaven. <laughs> in a good way, tears of joy. It was like how grandmas were crying tears of joy in heaven, and oh. they were coming down from the clouds. Yeah, that's it. Um. Anyways, that's what you say when it rains. On your wedding day. <laughs> right, exactly. It means it's going to be a perfect marriage. Totally. Yeah. I mean, of course. Anyways, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, we're newlyweds. How about that? Congratulations. Thanks. Don't you love being married? Oh, it's great. Saying husband is so much easier than fiance. Yes, I know. You're like, this is my fiance. It's especially when you're like a gay person. It sounds so <laughs> gay to say fiance. So we just got married as fast as possible. Right? <laughs> like, I can't like, say fiance. That's so gay. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh my god, Emily Ashford, I'm so happy that you're here. Wait, how long have you been married? Uh, we we got well. Here's the thing, not to get like crazy political, but we had to get married a million times. We planned to get married in <laughs> December. We planned it like a Christmas wedding. Yes. In New York, this was years ago, like three years ago. But we had to get legally married in Connecticut first because gay marriage wasn't legal here at the time. Oh so my then gosh. actually, Ellen Marsh did our she. Ellen asked me to get ordained to do her wedding, Amazing. so I did, and then she got ordained and did our wedding. Amazing. Um, and then gay marriage became legal here, so we've been married a million times, but we've been together like seven years. We got we've been married for like three. Amazing. Yeah, thanks, Woo! girl. Right. Go marriage. I know. Go marriage equality. Oh, you know what? Too at my wedding, uh, my bridal party was nine people, six of which were my gay best friends from college, Ugh. and so we did for the whole wedding party because there were like fifteen men in our. Tell me why we had a million brides and groups. They walked, <laughs> they walked down like a Mumford and Sons ad. It was like oh. crazy. But anyways, the, we got the marriage equality bow ties. Oh, that we bought them all for everybody in the wedding party. The yeah, not oh, awesome. Yeah. I don't really know how to like. I didn't tell him that at, he was at the Tonys, but I kind of weirdly wanted to tell him that. But I didn't. Oh, anyways, I, bet he would have loved I should like it. tweet that or I don't yes. know how to I'm do gonna that. I'm going to show you how to tweet today. We have to talk about. Your sad news. Well, your happy news, sad news. Your happy, oh. your sad news that you're leaving Kinky Boots. I know. I'm so sad. March second. I just I like pretend that it's not happening. Yeah. I do. I pretend like it's not happening. It's totally not real to me at all. I mean, so but you're leaving it to go do an amazing TV show or I to am. come back on an amazing TV yeah, show. Yeah, I'm. You're gonna, so good on Masters oh, of Sex. Oh, thank you so much. Oh thank you. God. It's. I mean, like talk about an incredible character. Talk about such diverse. You know character i mean completely different from lauren but you know i've been really lucky in the last couple years to play really strong women who have such um an independent point of view which Mm -hmm. is like a gift for an actress can we talk about another show that you're on that i'm I'm recently obsessed with submissions only oh submissions only is amazing kate weatherhead is so brilliant she is we're having andrew keenan bolger on the show oh you are oh they're incredible i know i know i'm so excited but you on this show 
knock me out every single time. And I was saying to my husband, Steve, I was like, I just want to like do this interview and then run into Annalie on the street and like <laughs> and have her be like, wait, will you pre- will you be will you be adorable girl the same as your character yes. running into me on the street? <gasps> oh my god, how are you doing? Oh my god, you look so good. You look like you've lost so much weight. What have you been doing? Have you been doing that weird juice cleanse as that blueprint? Because I love blueprint. It makes me feel like my poop hurts, but it feels good. I don't know. How about two We Know That Girl? Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing about the show that's so hilarious is that, like... you just can't. You just, like, every single person is is a replica of, of somebody that you know. You know, too, when they first started doing it, it was, you know, really just, like, an idea that they had. And I remember, Kate, we lived really close to each other at the time. And we um, both have dogs, so we'd meet each other at the dog park. And she'd be like, she told me, she was like, I, I want to do a web series. She goes, but, I, you know, I just need to start out just by, like, trying it. She was like, would you just do one scene for me and just do a couple lines? And I was like, yeah, of course. I'll do anything for you. Um like, we did it at Ripley Greer, I think, the first time. I can't remember. But we did it somewhere where there was, like, a lot of auditions happening. There were a lot of girls who talk like this, who <laughs> were wearing beige character shoes, living their life, trying to get a job, which I am totally down for. But there's some sassy energy that happens when that is happening. There yeah. is a competitive edge. Yeah. If I don't talk to you after the audition, if I don't talk to you after the show, it's because I have to run to my callback. Yes. And people have callbacks that don't exist. <laughs> but they do in their mind. Oh, my God. You're so funny. Should we do the Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Twitter questions. The first one is from Ginginess. Hi. Hey, girl. Okay, you simply must ask Annalie about her obsession with ladybugs and how it started. It fascinates me to no end. So the ladybug thing, I always loved red and black. I loved, like, I was like, mm, you know, I was like, black is fancy and it's like the theater and red is fancy and red and black should be in the theater. I don't know, like as a little person, like a seven-year-old. Um, and then somebody gave me a ladybug because they knew I liked red and black. I Literally, I was seven or eight years old. And then I was like, ladybugs are magic. <laughs> um, okay, our next question is from, from said Kira Lee Ashford. Woohoo! Um, and this is the one that might take some explaining. I had to actually get on Yahoo and look some stuff up. Oh, my God. Okay. But you're you're cooler than me, so you might just know. Have you ever played the chubby bunny game? How many can you fit in your mouth from your biggest fan? Oh, isn't that when you put a million marshmallows in your mouth? And then you have to be able to say chubby bunny. I don't know. I have a really large cavernous mouth. Yeah? Yeah. Like, when I go to the, you know, the ENT, like, I can really open my mouth up really big. We're looking at a bag of marshmallows right here, Ashford. Wow. <laughs> I could probably put in, like, I've had a lot of dental work done lately, too. My mouth hurts. I shouldn't be eating any marshmallows. I've had, yeah. like, I've literally had two root canals this year. It's been one of those oh my years. God, me, too. So I'm not supposed to have marshmallows. But probably, I don't know. Let's put it out there that I could probably fit, like, 20 marshmallows in my mouth. Girl! The big ones, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, I love this interview. Okay, the last okay, last two questions are from uh, George Loves Bess. That's his Twitter handle. Um, okay, what are some of your favorite gifts you've ever received from fans? Um, I'm going to say all the gifts <laughs> that I've ever received have been amazing. I love to. I love drawings. Drawings. I. My name is Simon, and I like drawings. <laughs> Bring it back to Mike Myers again. Um, drawings are amazing. Um, the, you know, letters are always incredible. And like, you know, 
gifts are, you're always like, oh, you don't need to give me a gift. Oh. People are so sweet. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Okay, last question is, are you planning to release your own album, and what songs would you have on it? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Will Van Dyke wrote this, wrote this awesome, awesome song, and so we recorded it, and it, um, he's amazing, and the picture that we have for the single was real fun. It's, it's a little Donnie and Marie inspired, but you know... Um, it's so funny. Somebody asked me that a couple of days ago. I think if I were to do an album, um, it maybe would be like a live album because it's kind oh, of my jam. Like yeah. we were talking about before, um, like a, maybe a recording of a live performance concert. Um, I don't know. I, what I do know is I won't be coming out with a pop album or a country album anytime ever. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really specific time. I know. How about that? <laughs> or like, there's more of a chance of me coming out in a with a jazz album in my later sixties than there ever will be a chance of me ever coming out with a pop album. Well, this could Is be that a weird good... thing to say. No, but I'm so I'm so surprised because you nailed the Cindy Lauper so well. I just want to say thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a really exciting year uh, for me. Amazing things have happened, and. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I've been on tour a lot, but the first part of the year, I really was working on Kinky Boots, and, uh, you know, we became a family at Kinky Boots. <laughs> I, you know, i never done a musical before, so I had my, my husband over here, Mary, they call him Harvey Firestein, he called me, I was washing dishes, and he called me and he said, I want you to do this musical, and I was washing dishes, I'm glad I said yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just went on a tangent. No, I literally sit here I just, for three hours. It just sounded, time. she sounded so good on the mic. You just yeah, had to keep totally. going. I, I didn't realize Cindy was going to talk. I thought she was just going to sit here and watch the interview happen. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Really? I hope, too, she knows if she ever heard this. I hope I hope that that was the sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> it is. Imitation. Oh. hey And I remember when I saw Kinky Boots, I thought... I mean, what what is she going to do? And then it was, you know, your song. Um, history of the wrong guy. Have I come back for more? Another chapter in the history of wrong guys. You used to be so But it's you. Are, you're hilarious. Oh, my gosh. You're so sweet. You know, Jerry Mitchell is so amazing and is like, I just love him. He's been so incredible to me. And he's, you know, he cast me from... One audition for Legally Blonde. He's like such an angel to me. He's one of those angels in my life. Um, I always, I feel, really do feel that way about him, and I feel that way about um, Bernie Telsey has just like been an angel to me. Um, so, anyways, he, always, I felt like he really believed in me. I remember the very first time I auditioned for it, um, I hadn't kind of discovered what we were going to do yet, and it, it really took the last workshop where we kind of figured out what we were going to do. Um, but we always knew it would be really physical, and that is where the action in the song was. It wasn't as much in; it was there in the dialogue, in the in the lyric, but it was going to be even more in the action. And then I literally, I would come in, and he just, I would just play, and I would, we'd run it, and I would do anything that came into my mind. You know, kind of the way that I work is like a clown. Yeah. You know, just there's always an intention. Like, what do I want? What is, what is it that I want in the song? So we agreed on an intention and then we just went from there and he would be like, okay, I like that. No, I don't like that. And then he would have an amazing, brilliant idea. You know, we'd try that. And, and then when we finally, you know, had an audience 
I always kind of thought, you know, that it, there was a possibility the song could be cut if it didn't work with the house, you know? Really? Oh, yeah. I was kind of worried about that. You know, I never really said it, but I, I thought it. And also, I care about the story more than I care about me. So yeah. if it helps the story to cut a song, let's cut a song, you know? Um, but it worked. The audience oh. liked it. Thank God. Yeah. And it's like, a you know, we had a great house last night and... The night before, we always have a wonderful house, but it, it's a real volley with the audience. The audience is my scene partner, mm-hmm. um, so when they're when they play, it's it's like it's improv. There's elements of it every night that are completely different. So, you know, I I feel like having an element in the show like that is is really exciting for the audience. In Rent, I felt like my performance piece was kind of like that, too. Uh-huh. I'm so glad that Michael Greif was also so incredible to me as a director. We should say you me. were Maureen in the off-Broadway. Revival. How do you describe it? It was the revival? off-Broadway revival of Rent um, because he really, like, reimagined pieces of the show. And, um, you know, it's, it's so tricky because you have to pay homage to what you created before. It's such an interesting thing that he did, you know, with that specific project is he it's like his masterpiece and he went back in and excavated. You know, and with my Maureen especially, we really, like, went out on a limb and tried something completely different. Not completely different. Again, like, for me, it it's always starts with the text. And then I just kind of like work from there. You know, what what clues do I have from the script? And then what what can I take from that to build on the character? Well, and because Maureen Johnson is like a downtown performance artist, you definitely had that background to pull from. I totally pulled from that. Also, I saw so much really good and not as good performance art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not as, I don't think as, I, I think that's kind of, a cool thing that I got to experience as an actor because it's kind of unusual that I've seen as much more performance artists. Really unusual, yeah. You know, but it's just like another facet of like you know. I remember dancing downtown. I found you know not always in school do you get to do the main stage. You know, I certainly didn't. I only did one or two, and I did two. And um, I did a lot of black box stuff. I did a lot of stuff on my own, created on my own, and then really go-go dancing was like a it was a form of performance art it absolutely was performance art you know did you always know like when did you make the decision that you were going to transition from downtown performance artist like okay I'm going to go like pound the pavement and like make it on Broadway now well you know all through college I was always pounding the pavement I had my equity card when I moved to New York I got it at the country dinner playhouse playing Sandy and Grace um, my senior year of high school, and it was such a blessing to me, and I'll forever be grateful to that theater for giving me my card because I came to New York as a 17-year-old freshman who could go to chorus calls and EPAs. So, I mean, yeah. I literally, I, I this is a, I feel lame being like, I won this award, but it is kind of a <laughs> cool story. I won the Clarence Derwent Award this oh, year with wow. Michael Urie, um, which was such an honor, and you receive it at the Equity Building, and we, there was a miscommunication, and um, it happened to be the the Tuesday after the Tony Awards, and I didn't have a speaker lined up. You know, you had to ask somebody to present it to you, and I called Jerry the day after the Tony Awards, and I was like, can you come tomorrow to the Equity Building at noon and, and present this award to me? And he was like, absolutely. I'll see you tomorrow, honey. You know, it's yeah, just a, yeah. so sweet. And... Um, I had auditioned in that building so many times. I sat out in the cold and waited in line. I mean, so many times. I would dance until 4 o'clock in the morning and get up at 7 o'clock and go sit in line and then have classes later in the day and then be an RA. And 
I remember that I didn't get called back for one job the whole time I was in college, which I feel like was, you know, what was meant to be. I was meant to finish school and do my thing. Um, but the one person that called me back the whole time, it wasn't a course call. It wasn't an EPA. It was an open call for hairspray, and Jerry Mitchell called me back. Oh, my God. Isn't that random? Does he know that story? Yeah. You know, but I got up to talk about it, and I, I got up to accept the award, and I talked about how I got my equity card from Country Near Playhouse and how it's so important to be an equity actor and how I'm so grateful that I'm in a union that believes that even though I'm an actor and I'm an artist, I still should get a pension and I should still have insurance. And and then when I started talking about how many auditions I had gone in for, I mean, I'm going to start crying now. I, like, wept openly. And I was like, I'm just so grateful because of how many auditions I had in this building. It's such an honor to receive this award. It, it really was. It meant so much to me. Because I do, I feel like... Um, you know, I've been extremely lucky, but I'm, I also feel really grateful for the perspective because I had some, like, I had some years where I could have been like, oh, maybe it's not going to work out, you know, but I feel like if you just always believe that it will, there's, there's an opportunity. And if it's about the art, you will always find a way to create art. You know, when I finished school, I was still go-go dancing until four o'clock in the morning, a couple times a week or whatever, you know, how many times we, you know, would have, um, you know, we'd have parties, and I had an audition for The Nymph, and I ended up playing Natalie in what was then called Feeling Electric, but yeah. is now next to normal, mm-hmm. and I remember we did six shows, and one of, the second to the last show, we had um, a matinee, just one matinee at like two o'clock, you know, The Nymph is kind of funny like that, you never know when the shows mm-hmm. are, and I had to go-go dance the night before, and I had committed to it, you know, so I didn't want to back out. So I danced until four o'clock in the morning. Wow! Because it was art, yeah. you know. It was a it was a form of creativity, and like you know, for those actors out there that are waiting tables or working at Kills at Bloomingdale's, like I was until I got Wicked on tour, or you know, I babysit in between jobs. You should always be trying to create your own your own art. You know, if that means you're singing at a club, if that means going to karaoke on Friday night, whatever that is to you or writing or whatever, I feel like that's what makes you more interesting as an artist. And it also opens the door for some art to come in. I mean, there's so much about your career that I feel like people are going to be mad that we didn't get to. So maybe we could do like a one sentence. Okay. I know I'm talking my face off. No, I'm so, I always say that like the, the minutes before, like before the interviewee arrives, especially when it's Annalie Ashford, it feels like the march to the executioner because because I'm so scared that there's going to be nothing to say, or I'm not going to think. So I, God, God bless you, child, for, so for speaking. Um, okay, so we'll we'll do uh, we'll do well, we'll do Wicked tour. Okay, because oh that my was God. your first professional gig. Well, not your first professional, but that was your first like. That was my first production contract. Hey-o. Yes. <laughs> Hi. I'm sure I just like talk like say a sentence about it. Yes, yeah, say two my sentences. favorite thing. Okay, um, oh, being on tour was I'll was the best way to see the country. I'll never see the country like that ever again. It was so exciting. And I got to understudy Glinda, and I got to understudy Kendra Kassbaum, who I think is such a brilliant actress. So I got, I got to watch her play the part every night. Um, and I got to watch her do it with Stephanie Block and then with Julia Murney, which oh, was unbelievable. And they killed it. Um, so it was like, what a gift. I'm so grateful I got to go on the road. Oh, and just as a side note, I love Kendra Castlebaum too. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, then your Broadway debut is Legally Blonde. 
Um, oh, my gosh. You know who else did it at the end of the tour? I forgot. Who? Megan Hilty and Shoshana Bean came in for two weeks, and they killed it. Did Wicked? Well, they came in for, like, five months, but it was my last two weeks. Of the tour? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a long, long time ago. I mean, it was the beginning of the tour. Yeah. Okay, wait. Was the last? Uh, so, Legally Blonde. Oh, my God. Broadway debut. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Broadway debut at the Palace Theater, where Judy Garland did some of her most uh, memorable performances. No. All I was doing was walking around the theater obsessed with the fact that Judy Garland was there. And you got to go on as Elle Woods once, two weeks before you left to go do hair. Once. Well, I left to go do Wicked. I left to go play Glinda in oh, Wicked. Oh, sorry. Oh, I can't believe I messed okay. that up. Yeah. Um, so I went on once. Um, Laura Bell uh, called out at, like, noon. So, and she's such a doll. She, like, knew that I had understay rehearsal that day. So it was, like, super cool of her to, like, if she, if she knew that she was going to have to take the night she called stage management, so I got to have like a mini put in that day at understate uh, rehearsal, and then I got to go on before I left. It was, was it amazing. Amazing or terrifying? It was the most. It was one of the most incredibly exciting theatrical experiences of my entire life because it was terrifying, terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. It was like playing Glinda and Alphaba mixed together and dancing at the same time. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. I cannot believe that Laura Bell Bundy did that show eight times a week. And I just, there are times I, you know, I, I see Paul Kanan in a couple parts of the show every night. And when I'm really tired, sometimes I think back to how Laura Bell did that. I yeah. mean, that role is harder than Alphaba and Glinda combined. Yeah. My opinion. And then you go and you do Wicked uh, on Broadway. Yes, I played Glinda and Wicked on Broadway. Dream come true. Oh, my God. I mean, I got to... I was afraid of a bubble because I'm afraid of heights. So I sometimes almost put my pants a little bit. My dresser had to have Imodium in her. <laughs> You're clipped in to that thing, right? You are, but I'm really afraid of heights. And yeah, I thought it too. would leave and it never did. And it was incredible to explore the role. I got to do it for nine months with Stephanie Block. And then I d- went and did it in Chicago with Lisa Brescia and then with Dee Rossioli. Just wow. incredible alpha buzz and a wonderful time. Whoa. And then I really thought I had your resume memorized, but then you go into hair? Then I did Banana Spill. Banana Spill. Which was extremely fascinating for me as a comedic performer. I was, it was me and like seven male clowns all day long. And then um, some incredible dancers. I tap danced a whole lot. Um, I did a weird thing on point. I had these point shoes that had taps on them, too. It was, like, super weird. I was an old man clown (laughs) with, like, a weird mustache and a bald man wig. (laughs) My clown, you know, we all have a clown in us. Mine is, like, a weird old man. I don't know what that means. That makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense to (laughs) me. Me, too. I don't... It's a little uncomfortable. But, but yeah. So, that... And then I came back um, to New York, and really, quite soon after that, I did hair. Yes. That's the thing I remember. And I... I, When I got to meet you the first time, I I got to meet you during previews of Kinky Boots. And Ellen was like... I went, Ellen took me back onto the stage and, and I was like, Anna, what's over there? And she's like, oh my God, you have to come meet her. And I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm You're not so ready. sweet. And then I got to meet you and then I was telling you about hair, which like me and Steve saw together and you just knocked our socks off. Oh, that's so sweet. And then you go into Rent? Um, yeah. Then, it, then I did Rent. That was, <sighs> Maureen was one of the most enjoyable characters I've ever played ever. I mean, I feel like I could do Rent every single day. I could play Maureen every day and totally be happy. Were you a fan of the original Broadway? I knew every word. Of course. I mean, of course. But it, I'm not like that with very many shows, but that show was one of them. Yeah. So it was like a total dream come true. I remember I didn't even have to study my... I remember music rehearsal being like, I don't, I don't, we don't even need to run this. Like, we can just start working on the show. Like, I don't need to learn any music. 
I knew it all. Oh, my God. You know, I knew yeah, every yeah, word yeah, to the whole course, show. If somebody went off of a lyric who didn't know the show as well, I, we, there was, like, f- ten of us in the room who were like, no, 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 you know? <laughs> exactly. We'd be like, do you know the way? You know, right. Back every, like, stage hand is like. <laughs> that was a gift. Rent was a real gift for me, and it also was a gift for me as an actress because it was a change in kind of what hair was a change from what I had previously played. You know, people sometimes saw me as, like, a dumb blonde, you know, being like, oh, she's a silly dumb blonde so it was a real opportunity to show my you know some other colors as an actress yeah which was like invaluable and that that led to um i did i started working on masters right after that Mm -hmm. but my next theater job was um dogfight which was amazing that was another like kind of surprise surprise um piece because i didn't think i was going to be available for it because we were going to start kinky boots Mm -hmm. and kinky boots was coming up um, it was just incredible to work with Joe Mantello and work with him in the room yes. because I had done, you know, Wicked, but you don't get to to work with the director as much. You know, you get a couple, you get to work with them a couple times, but you don't get the process. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was wonderful to have a process I remember, with Joe. I didn't get to see the musical, which it devastates me, but I, I was such a fan of that movie when I was a kid. And it's, I mean, I was a, such a River Phoenix fan, like when I was a, a young child. And it was so strange to me that they were going to make a musical out of that, but how wonderful yeah, you know, to tell a, that story. It was really interesting, interesting topic, and there were two levels to it. You know, there was... You know the element of of somebody being loved for who they are on the inside and not just who yeah. they are on the outside. But then there was a, this whole other element of loss and him going to war and how much the world changed. And you know it was the night before Kennedy got shot. Um, and it's, it was also kind of an era of the '60s that you know we've really highlighted with a show like Mad Men. Mm-hmm. But but it doesn't get often told. The, the story of that era doesn't often get told. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that was kind of cool. And then, you know, I just play hookers all the time now. <laughs> so, which is great because they usually have the least power in the room and the most power yes. at the room at the same time. Absolutely. So it's like, a, it's, uh, it's amazing to play a hooker because you're constantly looking at a scene with what, when do I have the power and when do they get the power? You know, uh, and I mean, I'm masters of sex. That is certainly true for that character. Absolutely. Um, well, tell us about your show at Fifty Four Below. Oh my gosh, it's called Lost in the Stars. Will Van Dyke is my music director. Um, we are doing a collection of songs, starting off with a little homage to the disco days, because if you know, if you're going to be performing at Fifty Four Below, that means that you were in the bowels <laughs> of Studio Fifty Four. So let's just get real. We know that a lot of fantasies became realities in that bottom yes, basement room. Exactly. So let's just get into it. <laughs> So I'm doing a little disco, and disco is fierce. Like, disco, it's how so about, true. it has a great lyric. It's usually a hidden power ballad. Like, I'm They loving. always have the best disco numbers on So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, you know the what best. I mean? Yeah. The best. Yeah. So anyways, we're doing a little disco. Then we're doing, um, we're doing a collection of, of some love songs that are really fun. And then I, I tell lots of stories about um, certain people in my life, one of which is my my voice teacher from when I was a child, her name was Kit Andre, A-N-D-R-E-E, with an accent. She was so incredible in so many specific ways. So I, t- I talk about her and all the funny things that she taught me. And <laughs> she really helped form the creature that I am today. 
Um, and then uh, we have a we have a little bit of Sondheim mixed with some Elton John, which is kind of cool. Wow! And we I do some Kurt Vile and um, a little Queen. It's a it's a really like beautiful collection. It's I really I try to stick to old school cabaret in the in the way that I structure my evening, and I love to talk a lot and play with the house and. It's kind of an art form that I feel like is a little lost. Yeah. Especially with our generation. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if maybe you would maybe consider doing a little acapella version of your new single. Oh my God. Oh my God, okay. Just say no if you don't want to. I don't want to put you on the spot. Hold on, I gotta think of... I'll sing the first two lines and then you have to go buy the single on iTunes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, um... You get home. Wait, <laughs> you don't have to do it. How about I mess up the lyrics? Okay, um, you wake up early and kiss me goodbye. I come home late and slip by your side. Now you have to buy the single. <laughs> uh, we Mostly ask- because I can't remember the lyrics because my brain is dead right now. <laughs> I think that's it. Annalie Ashford, I could not, I'm over the moon, (laughs) pun intended, that you are here with us and you've been so amazing and thank you, thank you for being so generous. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I'm such a fan. Yay, yay. (laughs) Go go podcast. Vanya, we got our first sponsor. What? Today's episode was brought to you by our very first sponsor ever, Mod Cup, the coffee of the Broadway community. Expertly roasted, always fresh, never stale, always mod. Visit them at www.modcup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter. Like them on Facebook for information on shipping and free delivery in NYC. And for the pictures, the owner's kind of hot. Theater People is the creation and production of Patrick Hines and Vanya Arslanian. Special thanks, as always, to BroadwaySpotted.com, Davenport Theatrical, Steve Tipton for creating and managing our website, Bradley Bean for creating our theme music and helping us to book some truly incredible guests, the staff at Oswald's, Samara Nyemi for creating our logo, Ellen Marsh for her continued support, and most importantly, you, Theater People. Thanks for coming back. Tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.